15th, 2021. I hope you're all having a lovely weekend, or start to the weekend, that is, wherever you may be across our great country. There's a lot to get to today, as always. I know I say that every time we start the show, uh, and today is no different. Uh, today is the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the end of the NBA regular season. We have lots of off-season things going on in the NFL. We have Major League Baseball in full swing, and we have the conclusion of the NFL draft not that long ago, still only about 10 days old uh, when it's all said and done in terms of the overall picture that that has created around the league uh, and the ripple effects that that will continue to have for us across the summer. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. Uh, however, I'm still going to limit the the show to a few topics just, just because they're the ones that are the most timely and the most um, thought-provoking uh, for me as we head into the weekend. Uh, and I'll also be revisiting our weekly cancellation segment. That was a new segment that we launched last week. And I'll, again, be resuming the mailbag. And then I'll end the show with uh, some few cool announcements that we're working on here um, at Home Field Advantage and at Sportland America. So very uh, excited to go forward um, and get to talking to you guys again. Um, I know I've been off the air for a couple weeks Um it's just hard to record every, it's hard to record all the time, but um, when I when I get the chance, especially right before the Stanley Cup playoffs begin, uh, it's it's uh, almost imperative that I do stuff, so thanks in advance for your listenership. Um, and, and I'll start right off by talking, uh, you know, about the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, and reading the mailbag, because they're both um, intertwined here. We only had one mailbag question, and uh, it's actually a pretty straightforward to the point one, uh, and it's a question from listener Brody, and he wants to know who I think is going to ultimately be the final four in the NHL coming out of each of the divisions. Um, that's a loaded question, considering that there are eight matchups that will be getting underway this weekend, or uh, maybe not all eight this weekend with the conclusion of the excuse me, with the conclusion of the Northern Division. Um, but that being said, uh, it's certainly exciting time with all these uh, with all these matchups going on, like I mentioned at the front of the show. Um, and I, I think that the, the East Division probably has the most hype around it because of the Penguins and the Bruins and the Capitals, and those are, you know, three of the marquee teams in the traditional Eastern Conference uh, that are all playing in the same division during the COVID-adjusted uh, year. So I think that division has the most fanfare around it, especially when you look at what's being talked about on the national blogs or what's being talked about on NHL and NBC and what's, you know, what's being, what's being uh, played on those networks. Um, but it's hard not to forget that the Northern division has an extremely enticing matchup as well. I mean, you have Montreal and Toronto playing each other. Uh, you have Winnipeg and Edmonton. Those are both sort of 
in one respect, a budding rivalry with a newer franchise, so to speak, and another that you would think would have more of a history of playing each other in the postseason, but they just don't, and that, and that is the, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. So that division has two really interesting matchups. Then you have the Central, and which is essentially the Southeast. I know the NHL never wants to call anything South, um, but essentially the, the Central Division, you have Nashville and Carolina, very interesting matchup. The Predators are a franchise that's been there recently. They've been to the big dance, you know, and then you have a team like Carolina who's been contending for a few years now. Uh, and many people wonder, is this their, cha- is this their chance to win the Cup? Uh, they haven't won a Cup since 2007. Then you have the uh, Lightning, the defending champs, playing the Florida Panthers, another upstart team that a lot of people did not expect to have as great of a regular season that they did. So that's really fun to watch. Then out west you have Vegas and Minnesota, which is very, very uh, interesting as well because, and I hate using the word interesting for everything, but they're they're just all interesting matchups. You know, Vegas and Minnesota. Vegas is a team that since they came into the league, they've been playing very, very well in the regular season. They've made runs at the Cup. They have a strong nucleus. They have an outstanding goalie tandem. Then you have Minnesota, who is only a few years removed from a spectacular regular season, but a team that has never quite gotten over the hump in the spring, in the postseason. Uh, They have a young, dynamic player in uh, Kaprizov. So there's just a lot going on in that series, too. And then, last but not least, you have the... Colorado Avalanche with what many people consider is the best player in hockey on their team, uh, maybe outside of Connor McDavid on Edmonton, but many people consider Nathan McKinnon to be the best player in hockey, and he plays for Colorado. Colorado is a team that many people guessed from the beginning of the year were going to win the Stanley Cup. And then they're playing the St. Louis Blues, who are only two years removed from a Cup victory themselves. So every single matchup, has a team that if you asked me, could this team win the Cup, I might might say yes. I mean, I look at Toronto. They could very well win the Cup. Edmonton, anytime you have Connor McDavid on your team, you could very well win the Cup. Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche against, you know, Ryan O'Reilly and the Blues. Very, very strong likelihood that either one of those teams could go on a run. So it's, and that's just half of the bracket, you know, and as like, you know, as I went on, I mean, I talked about, excuse me, I talked about Vegas, Vegas is extremely hot goalies. If those guys can get hot and they can ride one of them, they can win the cup. You've got Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby and, uh, you know, Evgeny Malkin and, uh, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I can't remember the right wing's name, but. His name's escaped me, but they got scores. They got players who've been there before. Washington won a cup as recently as 2018. They've got Ovechkin. They've got Maha. They've got Zdeno Chara. They have 
they have players that have been here there before. They're, the only question could be what uh, what goes on in goal for them. Boston, my hometown team, they've got Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak. They added Taylor Hall, and since they've added Taylor Hall, they've been unbelievably good. They also have young defensemen like Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick that are becoming veteran players and rising to the occasion. They still have young players later on down the lines like Jacob Zabroyle and Carson Coleman. And, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Carolina, we talked about Carolina. They... There's just what what don't you like about those guys? I mean, they they're they're going to be a force. I mean, they just they've been on like I said at the outset, they've been on their way up for a few years now, and you know they're still only two years removed from going to the Eastern Conference Finals themselves. You know, and and I know that um, I know that they're a team that might have you know a few things have changed. On on their on their uh, squad since since uh, their since their appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago, but this is a team that is still being led by players like Sebastian Ajo, you know, players that are still um, ex- explosive. Nashville, we talked about Nashville. They've been there before. It's been a few years. It's a different team. They don't have PK anymore. They, they look they might look different, but that franchise, you know, they're they're hungry and. They're a four seed. They're, they claw their way in. They uh, outlasted Dallas to get that four spot. And Dallas was a team that made it to the Stanley Cup final last year. You know, you got Florida. Florida is an upstart. And then, of course, you have uh, you have uh, Tampa Bay, uh, the defending champs. And, you know, anytime you have Victor, Hedman, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, these are, these are teams that, are uh, are battle tested and ready and ready for the postseason, and I know that I went through each one of those matchups little by little, and each one of those teams individually by themselves. Um, but to answer Brody's question, I mean, I look at each of those divisions, and I and I see the East, and I see Pittsburgh coming out of the East. Um, I really like to see Boston come out of the East. I'm not quite convinced about Pittsburgh's goaltending situation, but neither am I about Boston's. Um, I think the Capitals and Bruins series is a complete toss-up, but I think it's uh, pretty safe to say that that um, Pittsburgh will win that will win their round against New York. Even though New York is a good New York's a good team, they're no slouch. Uh, not definitely not at all. I mean Varlamov has been phenomenal in that this year, and, and they've been a real surprise team. And of course, Barry Trotz has a fantastic coach so they're not going to be an easy out but I still kind of think it's a pretty safe bet that the that the Penguins are going to get out of that first matchup um I could be wrong but that's what I see and then whether they face the Capitals or the Bruins I think it's going to be an all-out war and uh, I just see Pittsburgh as being that team that they're the kinds of team they're the kind of team that can win those one to nothing hockey games that some other teams might struggle to win. So, so I like Pittsburgh coming out of the East. Oh, and by the way, before I continue, I reserve the right to, uh, <laughs> to make new predictions in the second round, depending on what happens in the first round. Um, yeah. Anyway, I like Pittsburgh coming out of the East, uh, in the central, um, 
I really, I, I really like Carolina because they've just been so strong. But I just have to, I have to go with Tampa because even though they're the three, they just have that experience factor and they have that goaltending factor, and they haven't always looked like the same team that won the cup and that was the President's Trophy winners in 2019. But they, they're just a team that is battle-tested. And when you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's all about teams that are battle-tested. And I just see Tampa as one of those teams that they might not repeat, but they're a team that I like coming out of the Central for sure. Uh, then out West, it's hard not to like Colorado. They've been the best team out there all season long. Um, that being said, I would say Minnesota's a dark horse. And St. Louis is a dark horse. Um, people might be more inclined to pick Vegas out of those three uh, to really challenge Colorado. Um, but uh, it's just it's just so hard not to pick. It's just so hard not to pick the Avalanche with how well they've played all season long. And Grubauer is great. I mean, if they can ride him, uh, I'm pretty sure they could ride him all the way to a cup. Uh, that's And then, of course, they've got McKinnon and... The rest of their offensive players who are you know, really, really strong uh, on both sides of the ice, on both sides of the puck, and up, you know, all 100, all 120 feet, so 180 feet, whatever it is. Um, out of the north, now, forgivably, this is the division that I did not pay as much attention to because not a lot of their games are broadcast here in the U.S. Um, that being said, from what I've seen, it's going to be pretty hard to take any team not named Edmonton or Toronto to come out of the North. Um, Toronto, they've just been playing so well with their top line. I mean, Austin Matthews is arguably one of the top two or three players in all of hockey. And and he's a guy that they could get behind him and he could find his way in the, in the Klein Smythe situation in about two months. But... Toronto still has that weird, choky feeling among them. And perhaps that's because I'm a Bruins fan and Bruins follower, and I've seen the Bruins beat them three times in Game 7s in the last eight years or so. Um, but it's it's hard not to look at the Maple Leafs with a little bit of skepticism. Uh, but then again, I haven't watched a lot of Maple Leafs hockey this, this year because of the, the TV uh, situations. Uh, but it's hard not to pick them coming out of the, coming out of uh, that matchup with Montreal. But like I said a few minutes ago, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are talking about top two or three players in all all of hockey. I mean, those two guys are are among the among the top scores in the game, no matter what, uh, whether it's points, assists. Uh, Goals. I mean, there was a stat that if if uh, Connor McDavid hadn't scored any goals this season, he would still be the uh, like third or fourth leading scorer in the league, which is unbelievable. Um, so I kind of like Edmonton coming out of the North. If you know, rambling aside, I like Edmonton coming out of the North. Although Winnipeg, they have a shot at upsetting Edmonton. Just because, you know, Connor Hellebuck is that good. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's hard not to, it's hard not to um, 
not to look at that matchup and really take the high flying uh, Oilers in in that uh, in that ma- matchup. It's just one of those one of those uh, seasons, and and you know Hellebuck has just for for uh, for Winnipeg. He you know he's just had a great season. I mean, not as great as what people might have uh, expected. I mean, two point five goals against average isn't awesome per se, you know, but it's not terrible, and, you know, considering, you know, he went 24-17 and 17 on the year, I mean, he led his team in a tough division, so I like Connor Hellebuck, and he has the, the capability of bringing Winnipeg um, over, over Edmonton, but I just like Edmonton as a whole coming out of the North, so when I go through just one more time to answer Brody's question, I've got Edmonton coming out of the north. I've got Colorado coming out of the west. I've got Tampa coming out of the central. And I've got Pittsburgh coming out of the east. Uh, So we'll see what happens with those matchups. There's tons of great rivalries there to look at. Um, But we'll be be pretty pretty easy to to find yourselves delving into all of the matchups. Especially now that so many of them will be nationally televised. It's wicked exciting and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, anytime you have a budding rivalry or a long time rivalry, that, that is what uh, is super fun about the Stanley Cup playoffs in particular and sports in general, right? Um, so speaking of rivalries, transitioning away from hockey here. Uh, last night on my Facebook page, I did a what I call Tribute Friday, which is um, all about, you know, usually it's baseball-related trivia because those of you who know me personally, I'm a baseball geek at heart. Uh, but I had some Red Sox trivia last night, which was what do the following four players have in common? And it is that uh, the players I listed were Babe Ruth, Eric Hinsky, Ramiro Mendoza, and Johnny Damon. So all four of those players played for the Red Sox and Yankees, but all four of those players also won a World Series with both the Red Sox and Yankees. Now, I believe there are 11 or 12 players in total that have won a World Series with both teams, uh, the majority of which played in the 1919-teens 19, 19 and 1920s, uh, but a few of those like Eric Hinsky, Johnny Damon, uh, Alfredo Aceves, Kevin Cash, Ramiro Mendoza, they won World Series with more of the modern-day Red Sox or Yankees, or Red Sox and Yankees teams. Um, and it's, I like doing trivia like that because, you know, baseball is just one of those cool sports that has a ton of history, and uh, it's super fun to uh, to talk about and uh it's always like something that garners a lot of uh, attention uh, when I do it on, on social media. So I like involving the listeners and the fans of the show and program uh, as much as I can, uh, whether it be with the mailbag section that I let off the show with or with the um, Trivia Friday that I post on my Facebook page. So I encourage you to check that out next time I do it. I should have one next Friday for you all, um, but super. Super fun to do, um, kind of neat, and uh, I always like to address it now uh, on the 
on the on the show now. I used to just address it on Facebook, but now that I can address it on the show, I think that that might be a cool tradition to start. Now that I'm thinking off the cuff. Uh, speaking of thinking off the cuff, it seems like our NFL friends down in Jacksonville have had to start doing that uh, recently. Um, most notably because, you know, they had the great draft where they got Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, number one overall, great, no-brainer move. They hired Urban Meyer. You know, they, they really just revamped that team, a team that's only three and a half years removed from playing in the AFC title game and almost beating the Patriots. This team has really changed a lot, uh, but a lot of people believe that they have a bright future um, with Trevor Lawrence and with Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer, uh, former coach at Ohio State, Florida, and I believe one other place, I can't remember specifically where else he coached, I want to say it was somewhere out west, but anyway, Urban Meyer brings in Tim Tebow, and Tim Tebow probably one of the most controversial figures in sports and for absolutely no reason. Um, so for those of you who might have missed it, there was a lot of draft weekend drama about Tim Tebow working out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was a lot of drama the week after about Tim Tebow potentially being signed. There's a lot of people that, of course, had a negative opinion on that because for some reason, one of the nicest people in sports tends to have the most negative opinions toward him. I mean, the things that people say about Tim Tebow are, in my opinion, on par with some of the stupidity we saw about Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, without getting into that whole thing, I mean, agree or disagree with Colin Kaepernick, he brought with him a lot of negative publicity. And for some reason, Tim Tebow, who, for all intents and purposes is an upstanding guy who who has his heart and his head in the right place for some reason brings with him the same amount of negative publicity and reaction whenever news breaks about him and i and i i just want to understand why you know is it is it because people think that he's getting um opportunities to play sports that he doesn't deserve because four years ago when he, or maybe it was five years ago, no, no, I can't even remember. When he was playing minor league baseball, people were all up in arms saying that he was taking a spot away from a guy who had grinded it out. He was taking roster spots away. He was taking playing time away. He was, it was just a marketing spectacle, yada, yada, yada. And all of that could have been true. But for some reason... That people, that that situation and the people that had an opinion about that situation made it seem like he didn't deserve an opportunity. And this is a guy that he is a good athlete. And people like to say that, oh, well, Tim Tebow, how could you call him a great athlete if he's not good, not good enough at football to play in the NFL as a quarterback, not good enough at baseball to make it to the minor leagues or make it past the minor leagues. And, my, and my, my response to that is, this dude won a Heisman Trophy in college. There's probably only 100 people ever that have won that award as a college football player. 
I don't know how many in particular, but I'm just saying. I mean, college football has been as as popular as it has, you know, for the last 50 to 100 years. So I'm guessing that there's probably about 100 people that have won the Heisman Trophy. And Tim Tebow's one of those guys. So he's one of the 100 best players to ever play college football, if you just look at it in that lens. That and the fact that he played Division I football. Now, not a lot of people play Division I football. I'm going to pull up the stats right here about the number of people that to play that play Division I football in a year. I'm just going to pull that up real quick. I should have had that ready. But, like, that that is not just something to, like, scoff at. Like, I think, you know, th- what I found here is that they estimate that about 115,000 people play Division One football a year. All right. Now, I wonder how many high school football players there are. I'm just doing this exercise off the cuff. Bear with me. So 115,000 people, they say, play Division One football a year. This is according to Statista.com. Now, they say... In 2018, 2019, about a million people, a million boys and 2,500 girls, which is pretty cool, 2,500 girls. But about a million boys played high school football in 2018, 2019. 110,000 played Division I football. So that's one out of ten. That... That seems even to me. That just seems a little high. You know, you're talking one out of ten. I mean, that that to me still seems high. But even think about it that way. So one out of ten people that ever suit up in high school, just judging by these statistics, whether or not they're accurate or not. But if anything, it's probably less than one out of ten. So one out of ten people play high school football. So who play high school football play Division One football. So Tim Tebow is already in the top 10% of all people who play his primary sport in the country. Alright? So he's already in the 10th percentile. Now the people that win a Heisman Trophy. So that's 100 out of the 115,000. Or sorry, excuse me, even less. It's 1 out of the 115,000 people that play a year. Now, you'll make the argument that only quarterbacks win the Heisman Trophy or only Power 5 players win the Heisman Trophy. But regardless of that, it's still the best player per year in college football. So you're talking about a guy who has reached the pinnacle of his sport from an amateur perspective, and people still want to say that he's not a good athlete. To me, that is absolutely ridiculous, and it's an abomination to people who actually follow sports at a micro level. You know, for the people and the parents and the brothers and sisters who attend high school games or attend JV games or attend college games, and then you have someone who's won national championships and won a Heisman Trophy in that sport, who's then drafted into the NFL and wins a playoff game, Again, another thing that not every single quarterback who ever suits up in the NFL does. And people still want to say that he's not a good athlete because he's not that good at the sports that he tried to achieve greatness at. 
Tim Tebow is a good football player. He might not be a great NFL quarterback. I think it's pretty clear that he's not a great, great NFL quarterback. I'm not arguing that. But these people that sit around here and say that he doesn't deserve the opportunity to play sports when he's a Heisman Trophy winning football player from a Division I school who won a national championship. Now people will say the NFL players don't care what you did in college. You, you might be right. They might not care what you did in college. But every single one of them was a college football player at one point who wanted to win the Heisman Trophy and who wanted to win a national championship. And Tim Tebow did both of those things. So whether or not you like the guy is a completely different from saying that he's not a good athlete or he's, quote, bad at sports. When you say someone like Tim Tebow is bad at sports, you, you sound like a moron. And, and I think what it is now is it's not necessarily about, oh, well, he doesn't deserve the opportunity to play. This is a marketing tactic. People are over that. People can get over marketing tactics because the world is a marketing tactic if you haven't woken up already. Everything you do is a, try, is, is a sales pitch. You know, so I think people can get over that. What I can't get over is these people, they just really don't like Tim Tebow, the guy. And it's, it's okay. I, I personally don't, don't like Colin Kaepernick, the guy. You know, I thought what he did was divisive. And, you know, and I'm not going to get into that because it's controversial. And he certainly had the right to do what he did. But I can at least be honest and say that I don't, was, never really cared for Colin Kaepernick, the guy. That's all. I mean, he's probably a good guy, but I never really cared for him, and I can admit that. People with Tim Tebow, they try and make these excuses, and in fairness, a lot of people do this with Colin Kaepernick, too. People that don't like him will say stuff like, oh, well, he's not that good, or he's not, you know, he just can't throw anymore, or if he was any good, he'd be on a team. Well, the, his stats are about, the, are about as bad as Tim Tebow's. I mean, I know... Colin Kaepernick at least made it to a Super Bowl, and I don't want this to become a comparison exercise. But I would say that there seems to be, a, like I said, about level sentiment for both. But the problem is, people just won't admit that they just don't like Tim Tebow, the guy. And I don't know why you wouldn't like him, the guy. You know, people people can have that argument argument with me about Colin Kaepernick, and I and I welcome that. But for you to say that it's you don't think he deserves the opportunities to play, that's not what it's about. Because you didn't want him to play in the NFL 10 years ago when he was on the Jets or when he was in training camp with the Patriots. Those same people, they've been anti-Tebow for 10 years. They didn't suddenly become anti-Tebow when Urban Meyer and the Jags decided they might want to work him out and sign him. You know, these people haven't really been fans of Tebow all along. They say ridiculous things like, he's in it for the money. This is a guy that tweets about fighting human trafficking. Alright, this guy is not in anything for the money. This is a guy who spent his childhood, whose parents were missionaries in another country. Who was homeschooled. Who was a, in a, you know, a strong man of faith. Like This guy, in, from what I've seen, has, cares nothing about the money. So for people to come out here and be like, oh, well, he's just in it for marketing and endorsements and to keep his name relevant, it's like, or to feed his ego. I'm like, this guy is, has the furthest thing from an ego. He played minor league baseball, driving around the Northeast on tour buses, eating sandwiches 
you know, this this guy was not in it for the glory. If he was in it for the glory, he'd be Kirk Herbstreet or Joey Galloway all the time. You know, he'd be hanging out with those guys on the fo- college football set all the time. But he's not. He took three or four years of his life and tried playing minor league baseball, which for, for those of you that follow sports, that's not a glamorous lifestyle, whether you're a millionaire or not. You know, so these people that, they're all, they, they hate Tim Tebow because they don't like him as a guy. And they don't like him as a guy because he represents what sports isn't now. Sports is all about the me, 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 me now. And Tim Tebow's been a guy who has been all about the we his whole life. So I just don't buy that, you know. And, and, and that, that just, I know I rambled about that longer than I should have. And, and I really hope I made sense. But just be honest about why you don't want him to get a shot with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not because you don't think he deserves it. It's because you don't... No, it's not because you don't think he deserves it because he's bad at sports. You just don't think he deserves it because you don't like him as a guy. And you don't think that he does. You think he's had too much opportunities, or you don't like the fact that the team is signing him and using that marketing tactic. But like I said, the whole world is a marketing tactic, and it's 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 okay. Tim Tebow playing in the NFL will not have a negative impact on you. I promise you. And uh, I tried to be fair there with the Colin Kaepernick comparisons. Uh, you know, I really do think that that has come to light in the past few days just because of, or weeks, just because of the culture that, we're, that we live in. I mean, I think he's been out of football not nearly as long as Tim Tebow, but he's, I mean, he's a guy that he's had shots to play before as well. And teams have given him shots. Um, it's just, I think... Tim Tebow wants to play football more than Colin Kaepernick wants to play football. I think Tim Tebow wants to play sports almost as much as any other kid in America because in in many ways, Tim Tebow is, he still lives a very youthful life and he's only 33 years old. People are acting like he's old. I mean, he might be old to be a tight end um, in the NFL, but he at least deserves an opportunity to make the team. You know, no one's saying that he's going to go out there and catch 50 balls a year and be the Jaguars' number one receiving threat. Just just be honest about why you don't want him to get this opportunity. It's not because you don't think he deserves it. It's because you just don't like him and you don't think he deserves it because you don't like him. It's not because he's bad at sports. The guy's won a Heisman Trophy and a national championship, and he's played minor league baseball at the AAA level. And he actually wasn't as bad as people thought he was. So I hope I don't lose any listeners over this. But, uh, I mean, it's time for the Tebow hate to stop. It's been 10 years, and people are barking up the same tree that they were barking up in 2013, that they're barking up in 2021, and Tim Tebow isn't going anywhere. He's a good guy, and he he epitomizes what an athlete should be. That's my two cents on Tim Tebow. Whether or not you want to cancel me over it, we'll find out. Uh, anyway, so moving on from that cancellation <laughs> to another one, uh, and that's the weekly cancellation. And it's actually ironic that I use this as a weekly cancellation, considering that 
Tim Tebow, who I just spent 10 or 15 minutes defending, is one of those guys that would likely use this phrase. So I'm canceling this phrase because I'm just sick and tired of hearing it. Um, I've worked in corporate environments for about maybe four or five years now, if I include um, the jobs I had when I was still an undergrad. And one of the phrases that men in particular insist on using with one another is living the dream. You've probably experienced this. You walk in, there's a break room, you go to the coffee maker, the refrigerator, the microwave. You rub elbows with another colleague of yours who says, hey Will, how's it going? And your response is, going well, living the dream. Or, or what's up today fellas, living the dream. And here's why I don't like this phrase. No one's living the dream at work. Unless you have some great, cool, like, environment where you're shooting paper airplanes around and playing foosball and drinking beer out of a keg and, you know, doing Adobe Photoshop all day, the likelihood is that you don't actually live the dream at work. I mean, most of us, <laughs> maybe Tim Tebow, because his dream is to be a pro athlete and he seems to be like Rip Van Winkle or uh, Benjamin Button in uh, that regard. Um, but he seems to just be in a never-ending cycle of living his dream. But unless you're like a pro athlete or something, I mean, if you're at your workplace, you're not living the dream. You're at work because you need to pay bills. You need to have a career. You need to support your family. And, and not that that phrase is meant to be literal. It's obviously a cliche, but it's just one of those workplace cliches that like we say just because we need to fill silence, even when we don't really mean it. You know, and there's probably dozens and dozens of phrases like this, but that one has really started to grind my gears, especially during the pandemic. If you're at work, the chances are you have to be wearing a mask, following social distancing, not really even being close to colleagues anyway. So even if you are one of those people that liked your job for a social matter, you're not really living the dream at work because the social parts of your job that you might have liked have been significantly diluted over the past year and a half. So I, I don't think living the dream should stick around post-COVID uh, for many reasons in the workplace. Um, but that's what I've canceled. That's what I've decided to cancel today. Um, who knows? I could find myself canceled over my defense of Tim Tebow because I guess now it's controversial to defend someone who, um, you know, has traditional values and loves his family and loves sports and cares about his teammates and is willing to go to great lengths to continue to play sports and has a work ethic and works out and is motivating. I guess that's bad. We, we can't like someone like that. We can't defend someone like that. We have to, those kind of people have to be watered down and disliked in our society for some reason now. But I will not be one of those people. I refuse to be canceled over my support of Tim Tebow, but I will cancel the phrase living the dream. Uh, so anyway, I hope you liked the mailbag section leading off with the NHL playoff preview uh like i said i like edmonton i like tampa i like pittsburgh and i like colorado 
uh, as my final four um, coming out of each division. Uh, it's, it's super exciting. Please tune in to the Cavs and Bruins tonight because I'll certainly start talking about that series next week. Um, I hope you liked the trivia section as well. I'm going to try and introduce that as well. Uh, wow, I just used that phrase twice. I'm going to try and use the trivia se section on every show. How about that? That sounds a little bit better. Um, of course, we talked about Tim Tebow. We talked about the weekly cancellation. Um, but the last thing I want to get to quickly before I sign off on all you and let you on to enjoy the rest of your weekend is that Sportland America, which is the media company that I founded that hosts Home Field Advantage, um, and uh, my personal blog, will be launching our website tonight or tomorrow, hopefully tonight, um, if not tomorrow, right in time for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I'm super excited about all that. You can find us online uh, at sportlandamerica.wixsite.com. That's Wix spelt W-I-X-S-I-T-E.com. That's sportlandamerica.wixsite.com. Sportland spelled S-P-O-R-T-L-A-N-D, america.wixsite.com. I'll also host that link in my uh, Instagram page. That's at homefieldpod on Instagram, at homefieldpod. Um, so certainly would appreciate uh, you keeping an eye out on all that as my listeners. Um, it's a very exciting time for us here at the show. Um, with the summer kicking off soon, we get to take our masks off, supposedly, maybe, potentially. We'll find out. Um, life seems to be getting back to normal in some regard. I stuffed my face with a lot of barbecue early today. It was 75 degrees. It's sunny here in the Northeast. I had my windows down, getting ready to watch some hockey tonight. Good times coming. There are lots of good times coming. And I certainly, again, appreciate all of your listenership and support throughout the past couple of years and as we continue to grow. Um, and until next time, my name is Will Highland, and this is Home Field Advantage. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Home Field Advantage is produced and recorded by Will Hyde under the umbrella of Sportland America. Home Field Advantage is an independent program, and the opinions shared on this program do not reflect those of any other company or entity other than Sportland America.